For more than a week now, we've been hearing the news that's coming out of Kansas City and the International House of Prayer, and it's been difficult. It's been devastating. It's been heartbreaking. Part of the reason that it's so heavy when leaders fall, when leaders are exposed, is because the enemy's actually up to something in the midst of it that you may not be fully aware of. He's actually trying to come against you directly in what's happening in Kansas City or whenever a leader falls or a leader is exposed. And that's what I want to talk with you about today and help you process through today. I want to share with you the three things the enemy is up to in the midst of this IHOP situation. Three ways the enemy is actually attacking you in the midst of it. But I also want to share with you three ways that you can stand strong and not only push back against the enemy, but be quite effective for the kingdom in the midst of everything that's going on. So let's jump in. All right. Obviously, the, the news out of uh, uh, IHOP is, is devastating and heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for the people coming forward, for the victims. It's heartbreaking for the International House of Prayer and their global family and so many people who have given so much and done so much in this prayer and worship movement that has gone out and impacted the whole wide world. It's also quite heartbreaking for the Bickles and what they're going through and why they're going through it. And it's really heartbreaking for the body of Christ. And that's what's been on my heart lately is the body and the attack this is against the body. I'm not making light of the people who have been victimized in this, the people who have been uh, directly impacted by this, but I want to help you as part of the body of Christ, understand what the enemy's trying to do to you in the midst of it so that you can counteract that and stand strong and remain effective for the kingdom. So there's actually three things the enemy is up to in the midst of all this. Number one, he wants you to feel discouraged. He wants you to feel heartbroken and devastated and angry and frustrated and irritated. But ultimately, he wants you to feel discouraged. He wants you feeling like, what's the point? He wants you feeling like, oh my gosh, if the great ones, the big names fail and fall, what chance do I have? You know, there's no point to it. Why even bother going on? Or everybody's wicked. Everybody fails. Everybody falls. Let me address that last one first. I know it looks and feels that way right now when yet another leader is being exposed, yet another leader has fallen, yet another leader has seemingly had a significant moral failure. The enemy loves to point to those things and say, look, see, everybody fails, everybody falls, you're going to fail, you're going to fall. If the big names can't make it, you're never going to make it. But I want to tell you, I've had the privilege of serving for 20 years now as in ministry, in full-time ministry, and serving with some amazing leaders who are as committed to kingdom values, kingdom character, and kingdom integrity as they are anointing and power. I've been privileged to serve very closely with Ron and Patricia King, two, two of the finest Christians I know, not just fine leaders, not just, you know, Patricia serves amazingly as a prophet and apostle, as a media pioneer, but she's also a committed leader 
in values. And she's laid a foundation of values and taught us all how to build from values to achieve vision. And there's a whole nother conversation in that. But I've also been privileged to serve with people like Patricia's husband, Ron, who's much more behind the scenes, but is a man of kingdom integrity, kingdom values. I've been able to serve with men like James Gall, who is a man of honor, a man of integrity, a man of character. He's known as a prophet and he's a global prophet who's incredible impact for the body of Christ but he's also committed to walking in character integrity and values people like Leif Hetland or Dr. Brian Simmons who I don't know as well but I've served with and they inspire me in situations like this I think it's important that we remember all the good leaders we have and I know I know you could say hey that's how I thought about so and so or so and so and so and so and then they got exposed and then they fell but the enemy wants us to focus on the darkness and be overwhelmed by it as opposed to focusing on the good news. There's always good news, right? Think about Jesus when he was sharing with the disciples, hey, when we go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten, scourged. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be found guilty. I am going to be executed and I'm going to die. And then three days later, I will rise from the dead. But Peter and the disciples got so focused on the first part of that sentence, all the, the bad news, that they didn't even hear the good news. They didn't hear. All they heard was arrested, scourged, beaten, tried, found guilty, executed, and died. They didn't hear. And three days later, I will rise from the dead. Look, this is a difficult situation, and it is a heartbreaking situation, and it's a discouraging situation. It's a heavy situation, but the enemy wants you discouraged because the enemy wants you to give up. He wants you to give up on what you're called to. He wants to give you give up on walking in character and integrity. He wants you to give up in every way, and he wants to make you feel like if these people can't make it, I'll never make it. Or every leader is wicked, everybody fails, everybody falls. I'll go back to my dear friend, my spiritual mother, and my mentor, Patricia King. She's been in ministry for over 40 years now. And I don't know anybody more committed to kingdom values, kingdom integrity, kingdom character than Patricia. Is she perfect? No, but she's more committed to walking in the character and nature of God than she is in any other aspect of ministry. And she walks in many aspects of ministry brilliantly, but there are leaders out there we can look to. We don't want to idolize. We don't want to put on pedestals, but we can look to and be reminded that even in some of the highest levels of callings, even with hell coming against you in amazing ways, when you're reaching the world globally through media and missions and ministry, and you're coming against things like anti-human tra- or you're coming against human trafficking and doing anti-human trafficking works, still she has walked in the two decades I've known her and her husband in great integrity. So don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that there's nobody out there that is walking in character and integrity and everybody fails, everybody falls, and you will too. You're going to run your race and you're going to run your race well. I remember my first year of ministry, that's what Patricia would say to me over and over again. She'd say, my goal for you, especially in your first several years of ministry, is to help lay a solid foundation of kingdom values, kingdom character, and kingdom integrity. God can flow through power through a donkey, his power through a donkey. Read your Bible. 
We need the power of God, but even more, we need a foundation of kingdom values because my goal for you and what you're going to do is you're going to run your race, you're going to run it well, and you're going to run it to the end. And the way you do that is by building on kingdom values. And I want you to know for you, for the body of Christ, that's what I've been praying, that in the midst of this heartbreaking news, this discouraging news, that we are going to remember that there is one perfect one who ran the race fully, perfectly into the end on our behalf. We are tucked into him, Christ Jesus. We are filled with his Holy Spirit. And we're also blessed with examples of men and women throughout church history. Yes, many have fallen and many have, have failed, but many haven't. And I'm praying that you'll be heartened and encouraged in the midst of this time and remember and have examples either directly in your life or in church history you can look to and say, oh, here's one that ran their race, ran their race well. They did it through the grace, mercy, equipping, encouraging and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit I have, and I'm going to run my race well. Because you are. The second thing the enemy's trying to do to you in the midst of all this is not only discourage you, but to, he's trying to get you in your heart, in your understandable heartbreak, and you're processing through this difficult news. He wants us, he wants you to become bitter and cynical so that you start releasing darkness instead of light. See, the enemy has two basic strategies, get you to turn away from God, or if you won't turn away from God, because he knows God will never turn away from you. So he wants you to turn away from God. But if you don't turn away from God, then he wants to hijack your authority and power in God for his kingdom. And in situations like that, he works overtime to make us bitter and to make us cynical. So we start releasing darkness instead of light. We start murmuring. We start complaining. We start cursing. We start um, uh, 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 allowing negative emotions to fuel us and and spur us to release darkness to release venom to release bitterness to complain to murmur um i think about uh, um uh we know the power of life and death is in our tongue we have the power to bless or curse we need to get really, really, really serious and ask Holy Spirit to really help us understand the weight, the power, and responsibility of that. Because in situations like this, it's so easy to give into that negativity, that cynicism, that bitterness. Because here's the deal. We're made in God's image. We all know that, right? And which means we're made to feel. And we're made to feel deeply. Just thought of something. My book, Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions, has an entire chapter. It's all about unlocking the supernatural God-designed power of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And there's a whole chapter in Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions about the supernatural power of your emotions and how to plug into divine emotions and shake off negative, ungodly emotions because of the incredible power available to us in godly emotions. Think of this in, what was it, Luke 7, when uh, uh, Jesus comes into the city of Nain. When he comes into the city of Nain, what does he see? He sees a heartbreaking, difficult, devastating situation. He sees a funeral, but it's not only a funeral, it's the funeral of a widow. It's the funeral of a widow who has just lost her son. So think about this, heartbreaking, difficult, devastating, funeral. But not only a funeral, it's the funeral for a widow's son. So the woman has already lost her husband. And now she's lost her son. And in the culture of that day, that's not only 
grievous and 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 devastating emotionally but also socially and financially she's she's in a devastated state on every level in that culture being a woman who's lost her husband and now has lost her adult son it's a heartbreaking difficult dire devastating situation jesus could have allowed a lot of emotions to arise in him because god feels god feels deeply we're made in God's image. Jesus was fully God, but fully man. Jesus was not only Messiah, but model. He's not only coming to restore us to the fullness of relationship with our heavenly father and all of his kingdom, but he's coming to show us what that looks like. And this is an incredible example in Luke 7 when he comes to Nain and encounters a difficult, devastating situation. There's all sorts of emotions he could have allowed. He could have allowed anger. He could have allowed frustration. He could have allowed bitterness. How dare society be this way and this poor woman who's lost her husband has lost her son and now she's dealing with financial and social devastation on every level it's not just it's not fair any of that could have been could have arisen in him just like in the situation we're in there's all sorts of dark and negative ungodly emotions that can arise in us but in my 1996 new living which is my favorite translation of this part of the gospels it says Jesus's heart overflowed with compassion. In other words, he allowed compassion for the widow in this situation, for the woman in this situation, perhaps even for women and society of that day in this situation. And when he allowed compassion to arise, resurrection power flowed. And we need to remember that. In situations like this, we're made to make a difference. I wore my I make a difference t-shirt on purpose because we're here as part of God's kingdom solution in every situation. We're here as his dominion stewards in the earth. The enemy wants you feeling powerless in this, like there's nothing you can do to, to hold the guilty responsible, to bring justice to the situation. There's nothing you can do if, if uh, to, to, to reach out and help the victims whose names we don't even know. I feel powerless. I'm just sitting on the sidelines watching more more moral failures, more falls, more people being hurt, more, more justice not being done. That's what the enemy wants. He wants you feeling powerless. He wants you bitter. He wants you cynical. He wants you murmuring. He wants you complaining. He wants you cursing instead of blessing because he knows the power available to you as a dominion steward here on earth. So it's very important that we be aware of that, that he wants us discouraged so that we give up. And if we don't give up, then he wants to hijack our power and authority as dominion stewards here on earth to release darkness instead of light. And then the other thing the enemy wants to do in situations like this to you, to the body, but to you as a member of the body, is he wants you in all the heaviness to get into a place of fear where you're afraid to or you refuse to trust leaders and other believers because, oh, everybody's, everybody's got secret wickedness. Everybody's got secret darkness. Everybody's failing or falling. Everybody will fail or fall. Everybody will disappoint in some way and will disappoint me. So I'm not going to be accountable to or submit to any leadership of any kind. You know what? I don't even want to associate with the body because it just seems like everybody has darkness and I'm better off on my own. Just me and God. Well, you and God is a great place to start, and, and one man or woman with God is always in the majority and can do great and mighty things. Look at Elijah on Mount Carmel. But remember this, 
God's word tells us to forsake not the gathering together of the saints. And even, even think about the wisdom of how God has worded that. Do not forsake or forsake not the gathering together with the saints, with the brethren, with your other believers. He doesn't say, be sure to gather. He says, do not forsake. In other words, he's foreseeing situations where we've been disappointed, where we've been hurt, situations just like this, where we're not only disappointed and hurt and, and, and upset with the leader, but you know, he'll have us, the enemy wants us questioning how IHOP is processing through this or how the, the body in, gen, in general is processing through this and getting angry at one another because we're not looking at it the same way or feeling the same way or approaching it the same way. Some are going to say, oh, there's not enough correction. There's not enough being held accountable. Others are going to say, what about mercy? What about forgiveness? And, and to the point of there doesn't need to be any accountability. There doesn't need to be any correction. It's just, it's all good, man, because grace, grace, grace. There's going to be the full spectrum. And the enemy wants in the midst of all that, wherever you are in the spectrum, for your heart to harden, for you to be bitter, for you to be cynical, for you to be disappointed, and for you to be afraid. And it won't feel like fear. It'll feel like self-righteous indignation, right? But you will refuse to gather together with believers because the enemy knows while we are powerful in God, we're way more powerful together. One sets a thousand to flight, two, 10,000. And even more, the enemy wants us not submitting to leadership or being accountable to leadership because, oh my gosh, can he wreak havoc with a body of lone wolf, rebellious believers who go by what they feel and what they think and refuse any accountability. And in, in, the, in the voice of many is the wisdom of counsel. In the voice of many counselors, there is wisdom. There is, I, I have been blessed to not only co-labor with Patricia and Ron, for 20 years, but to be under their covering, absolutely, but also to be submitted and accountable to their leadership because I want their wisdom. I want their, I've got a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience after 20 years in full-time ministry, but you know what? I want the wisdom and experience of others, more seasoned, but also maybe who aren't as seasoned as I am, but have different perspectives and have learned different lessons or served in different ways. I want that counsel. I want that wisdom. I want that input. And I only get that by being in fellowship with other believers, other peers in ministry, but also under the accountability and submission of leadership. I Sure, there's days you're just like, you know what, the heck with everybody, I'm just doing my thing my way. But you know what that ultimately leads to? And what the enemy is ultimately after in all of this is he doesn't want us submitting to God. The ultimate plan of the enemy in all of this is that we will separate from or no longer be accountable to or under the authority of God and his word because leadership and authority has disappointed us so many times. But once we're aware that this is the enemy's plan in all this to get us so discouraged we give up or so bitter and cynical that we let him hijack us to release darkness instead of light or so disappointed, so frustrated, irritated, angry that we refuse to gather together with other believers or we refuse to come under submission and accountability to leadership of any kind. Ultimately, what the enemy is after is that we stop gathering together with God and we stop or, or if we're still going to 
if we're still going to believe and we're still going to walk with God, but ultimately we we will not submit to his authority and his leadership when his word or his voice tells us something that we don't like or doesn't feel good or feels controlling or feels this or feels that. The enemy wants us to not trust one another and definitely doesn't want us to trust leadership because ultimately he doesn't want us to trust God. Remember Isaiah 60 verse 2. And you know, you guys who spend a lot of time with me on my uh, in my videos, you hear, have heard me talk about this for about a year now because God's been highlighting Isaiah 60 verse 2 is such a strategic verse. He says to behold the darkness. Notice that. He doesn't say ignore it. He doesn't say deny it. He doesn't say get mad, frustrated, or irritated with it. He doesn't say duck and cover and check out because it's all just too much. He says, behold the darkness and even the deep darkness. Why? So in the midst of that, we can become his solution. But the key is that we allow the kingdom of God to arise in us. Not the kingdom of the flesh, not irritation, not bitterness, not cynicism, not negativity, not I've had it, I'm out. But we let the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, joy, we let the kingdom of God arise in us and the glory of the Lord, the fullness of God's goodness appear upon us, which is, yes, mercy and also wisdom in how to navigate these situations. His presence, his power, his personality, that we would allow that to arise in us. Why? So that nations and people and people of influence will come to the brightness of our rising. Now, it's him rising in us, but we're allowing it in the midst of beholding the darkness, we're allowing the kingdom of God and the glory of God to arise in us and appear upon us, and many will be drawn to it. Some will be the lost, yes, but right now some of the most lost people are in the church. I'm not talking about salvation loss. I'm talking shipwrecked in their faith because they've been so hurt, so devastated. And the enemy wants to make that worse, and he wants to use us to make it worse, but we're not going to do that. We're going to let the kingdom of God arise in us. We're going to let the glory of the Lord appear upon us. And that means we're going to go to God and we're going to go to each other and we're going to go to trusted, proven leadership. And we're going to process through this thing. We're going to process our questions. We're going to process our hurts. We're going to process our pain, but we're going to process through it, knowing that in the midst of this, we have authority, we have power in Christ, and we are going to use it, which brings me to, those are the three things the enemy wants to do in the midst of situations like this. Now, let me give you the three things that God wants to help you do so that you can stand strong, push it back, push back against the enemy, and remain powerful and effective for the kingdom of God in the midst of all that's going on. And let's get real, probably more exposures that are coming in 2024. This probably isn't the last situation like this we're going to deal with. I'm sorry to say that, but I'm glad that we can talk about it now and get you aware of what the enemy's up to in those situations, but also aware of what God and you can do together to counter those situations. So I already alluded to one of these things. The enemy wants you to feel powerless, um, that there's nothing that you can do to hold the fallen or failed leader, an exposed leader accountable, and there's nothing you can do to help the, the victims. You know, we don't even know their names. Um, um, we, the enemy wants us powerless because in powerlessness, the lie of powerlessness, we take on a victim mentality. And then according to what is it? First Peter five, eight, I think it is the enemy roams about like a lion looking for a victim. He can devour most translations say someone. I like my old 96 new living that says looking for a victim. He can devour because it makes it so clear when he attacks, we're not victimized. But if we take on a victim mentality in the midst of something, then he can devour us. That's why he wants us to feel powerless so that he can devour us. But we always have power and authority 
in Christ Jesus, first and foremost over ourself. And this is really key. This is another thing my book, Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions, will help you with because, my goodness, that's 10 years of Holy Spirit personally mentoring me in all this, and I need to relearn it almost every single day. But it's kingdom truth. It's ba- Every single thing is based on scriptural truth, and I've learned it and relearned it, and it works. It works powerfully. The most important realm that we will ever steward as dominion stewards here of this earthen realm is our mind, our will, our emotions, our words, our choices, the feelings we allow, the thoughts we allow. We need to understand when we feel powerless, that's a lie because we always have power. We always have power and authority in Christ, and we always have power and authority over ourselves. And if we will exercise that power in situations like this, will actually become incredibly effective for the kingdom. So let's look at three powerful things that we can do in the midst of this situation and others ones that I'm telling you are coming in 2024. Number one, you can choose to walk in righteousness. Remember, the enemy wants you thinking, what's the point? So discouraging. If the great ones can't make it, how can I make it? If the big names are going to fall, I'm going to fall. No, you're not. No, you're not. You have been given grace, which is the power to overcome. You have been given the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to be a great and mighty witness of God. You have the Spirit of Christ within you, the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is choose to walk in the righteousness we've been given. Sanctified, set apart, and made holy by the blood of the Lamb. This is a season for heroes of holiness and radicals of righteousness to arise. Not in legalism, not in self-righteousness, not in religion, not in performance pressure, but in the revelation. We say all the time, the revelation of identity brings a realization of opportunity. And when we choose to walk in righteousness, we, we walk in power. Think of Romans 5, 15 through 19, which I'll paraphrase as because the first son, Adam, disobeyed unrighteousness entered the earth. And that's heavy. It doesn't say he was made unrighteous. He was, but it actually says because of his decisions, unrighteousness entered the earth. When we choose darkness, when we choose sin, when we choose wickedness, when we choose unrighteousness, it doesn't just affect us and the people in our lives. It affects all of creation. That's intense. But here's the cool thing. The next thing it says in Romans 5, in 15 through 19, paraphrasing, is because the second son, Christ Jesus, chose to obey, righteousness was made available to all. Notice it doesn't say he was made righteous. He already was. It says righteousness was released through his righteousness and made available to everybody, impacted all people and all creation for all time. When you choose to walk as a radical of righteousness and a hero of holiness, not in a religious way to get God to bless you, but in the revelation of who you truly are and all that you've been given in Christ, and you get to walk in that, you become a radical part of God's solution here on earth. The enemy knows. If he can get you to choose sin, that not only do you bring devastation into your life, but you bring darkness and devastation into the world. That's why these powers and principalities have strongholds in different spheres of influence. Not because they're so powerful, they came to the Holy Spirit and said, skadoosh, you're out of here. No, because the enemy got men and women to sin. He tempted them and they chose sin. They chose that wickedness, that unrighteousness, that perversion, that darkness. So it allowed dark powers then to have a stronghold. Long before powers and principalities have strongholds, we've given them access through our choices. So the good news is when you choose righteousness, when you choose holiness, 
when you choose to operate in light, not darkness, you break that grip and you release light, righteousness, and holiness out into the world. And remember, light is more powerful than darkness. So even if you see, even if the enemy wants to point to you and say, look at the half dozen leaders that have publicly fallen in the last few years and and they had big ministries and their big deals and big influence and there's devastation everywhere because of it well there is and that's a heartbreaking thing and we need to be, be praying for everybody involved in that however i also want to remind you you walking in light can change everything if you don't believe that remember what jesus modeled to us he one man, fully God, but fully God coming fully as man to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, was tempted in all things. So temptation's not failure, temptation's opportunity. And in the midst of that opportunity, if you choose in his power, by his might, through his Holy Spirit, to walk in righteousness and holiness, and if you've been in sin, repent of it, clean it up, and now choose righteousness and holiness you will release light that shatters darkness. That is radically powerful. And there's a new move of holiness coming to the body of Christ. There's a new revelation of the power and authority and impact of holiness coming to the body of Christ. And it's going to be glorious. All right. Second powerful thing that we can do that you can do. You can watch. It's really important that we do this in this season. We need to watch over our hearts. And I alluded to this in the three things the enemy wants to do. They're all attacks on your soul. You know, the soul is the place of volition. It's where we make our choices, what, what, what words we speak, what thoughts we allow, what emotions we entertain and let inform us um, and, and what, what deeds we choose to do, what act, whether we choose righteousness or unrighteousness. We need to watch over our hearts in this situation because the enemy wants us bitter, angry, shut down. He wants us cynical. He wants us frustrated. He wants us irritated. All the things that I talked about and the three things that the enemy wants to do, you'll notice they're all things that come from a broken heart that's gone dark instead of turned to the light. Remember what I said about when Jesus came into Nain and he saw a heartbreaking, dire, difficult, devastating situation. He chose to allow compassion to arise. Look, we're made in God's image, which means we're made to feel. You're either going to want to feel negative emotions or just shut down your emotions because they're overwhelming. Don't do that. Go to God and process through your process your emotions because we're made to feel and to feel things deeply. God so loved the world. He gave the gift of his son. The joy set before Jesus allowed him to endure the cross. When he felt compassion, resurrection power flowed out of him. We are meant to feel and to feel deeply because we're made in the image of our God who feels and feels deeply. But he wants to help you in this season. Watch over your heart so you process through and let go of all those negative emotions and you let the kingdom emotions arise like Jesus so many emotions he could have allowed to come out of him he could have entertained or 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 let overwhelm him he chose to let compassion arise in him and that released resurrection power and i'm telling you we need resurrection power right now we need resurrection power not only in this ihop situation but we need resurrection power in our nation we need resurrection power in in almost every sphere it's been one thing after another especially since the pandemic and we need resurrection we need the resurrection of hope we need the resurrection of trust. We need the resurrection of purity and commitment to righteousness. We need the resurrection of safety and feeling safe in the body and with leaders as more and more of this stuff gets exposed. And I am telling you, the key to resurrection power is compassion. So 
Ask Holy Spirit to help you feel from the Father's heart. His heart is breaking too, but it's breaking unto compassion. Definitely compassion for those people who have come forward, those women who have come forward, for those who have been victimized in this, but also compassion for IHOP and the and the global family of IHOP as they navigate this. And I'm betting they won't do it perfectly because there's only one perfect one and he came for all of us because none of us are perfect. I'm not making light of the indiscretions or the failings. I am saying having compassion in the midst of all that is going to be our key to seeing justice, to seeing true kingdom justice um, and true kingdom righteousness reestablished and to see real healing reestablished. So we need com compassion is going to be key for those who have come forward for IHOP and the global family. And yes, even for Mike Bickle and his family. Again, I am not saying let anybody off the hook. I am saying the way for us to come to true healing in the midst of this for everyone is going to start with compassion because in compassion, we'll have wisdom. We'll connect with God's heart and God's thoughts and God's wisdom and God's truth and God's plan for healing and restoration for every single person involved. I'm not saying have compassion in any way for the things that he's accused of doing. I'm saying have compassion for him to be free of the things that have caused what he's been accused of. I know this is difficult and it's even hard because I might have already lost some of you. It's like, oh my gosh, you said compassion for Mike Bickle. How dare you? Well, Jesus died for all of us. And I think it's important that we get to a place where we remember mercy triumphs over judgment. And it's not mercy says we don't need judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy brings us to a place that's even greater than judgment in injustice. There's an even greater justice in mercy than in judgment. But we've got, I think we start with compassion. And you know whose heart is breaking the most in all of this? God's. But he's got wisdom in this. And he's got wisdom for us. He's got wisdom for you, how you can be part of the solution. Okay. And then the last thing of the three things that we can do, sorry, my chair keeps, the hydraulics in my chair are failing. They've been failing for a couple of months now. I'm going to have to get a new chair here eventually. So we're talking about the three powerful things you can do to stand strong against the enemy, push back against the enemy, and remain effective for the kingdom of God in the midst of this. And we talked about how you want to make sure that you are choosing to walk in righteousness, that you are watching over your heart. And then the last thing, is watch over our mouths. It's important that we, it's important that I, it's important that you watch over our mouths in this season. I talked about the three things the enemy wants to do. One of them is to hijack your power and authority as a dominion steward. And probably the main way we operate as dominion stewards here on earth is through the words we speak. Just, just as God brought forth all of creation by speaking forth the word of God, obviously, it's one of the main ways we steward creation. The enemy knows that, and he wants us to be releasing darkness instead of light, like we talked about. Watching over your heart and watching over your words go together, because Jesus himself said in, what was it, Luke 6 and Matthew 12, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, hey, if you catch yourself murmuring, complaining, being bitter, speaking bitter words, speaking uh, condemning, cursing words, hey, be aware. No condemnation, but be uh, let, let let Holy Spirit make you aware of it. 
because that will show the position of your heart. And then in the position of your heart, you can get that healed and strengthened. And then you can watch over your words and start releasing words that will tear down the things of the enemy as opposed to tear down the people of God or the church. So we want to use our mouths to be praying for, be praying for not speaking negatively, not cursing, not murmuring, complaining. And I already alluded to this. Remember Genesis 1-3. God brings forth creation by speaking it forth. The first 25 verses, verse 26, uh, 26 through 28, he says we're made in his image and after his likeness as dominion stewards. Made in his image means that we're here to represent and represent him after his likeness can be translated and we'll do it in the manner that he does it. And for 25 verses, he models to us one of the main ways to do it. We speak to creation. We speak to situations. So Jeremiah, one moment. If we'll let God put his words in our mouth and we're praying those, decreeing those, declaring those, we will tear down the things of darkness. We will root up strongholds of the enemy in the church and we will build and establish the things of kingdom, the things of love, the things of light, the things of life in the church, in this situation once again. So there you go. This is not an easy time, but in every crisis, there is opportunity. And there's an opportunity in the midst of this challenging situation, this heartbreaking, difficult, heavy situation. There's opportunity for us to grow in our commitment to God and walking in his will and his ways. And there's also great opportunity for us to be a part of God's solution in the midst of all this, as we are aware of the three things the enemy's trying to do to me, to you in the midst of all this, not just to the people directly involved in it, but all of us in the body. And as we're aware of the three powerful things we can do to partner with God, stand strong, push back against the enemy and remain effective for the kingdom of God. So I hope this helps you process. I hope this brings some perspective and I'm going to pray for you right now. Father God, I thank you that you are here with us. I thank you for wisdom that you shared. I thank you for meeting every single person watching this exactly where they are. <sighs> Heal their souls, restore their souls, strengthen them in their souls, help them process through understandable negative emotions, negative thoughts, help make them aware of what the enemy's trying to do to them, mire them, the fouler snare the enemy has for them in the midst of all this and help them shake it off and be free of it so they can arise, they can shine, give them a grace to allow the kingdom of God to arise in them, the glory of you, God, to be seen upon them, including your wisdom, your strategies, your blueprints, your battles, plans, your presence, your power, your personality, your solutions. God, use them mightily in the midst of all of this to achieve your plans and purposes. And God, thank you that even right now, there's a fresh outpouring of your perfect love because your perfect love casts out all fear. And Holy Spirit, thank you that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given you, the Holy Spirit of the living God, a spirit of love, power, and self-control and a sound mind. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you minister that to every single person watching. You equip that, you strengthen that in every single person watching, and you defeat every work of the enemy. You lead them in triumph in Christ Jesus, and you use them as part of your solution in this moment, in this hour, and as we come into 2024, in Jesus's name, amen. Ready for more? Go to roberthodgkin.com for more teachings, more resources, and more information about Robert Hodgkin Ministries and Men on the Front Lines.